0: This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Generations Podcast. And now your
1: hosts, Jeff and Kelly LeDuff. Good afternoon, good morning, or whatever time you decide to listen to this podcast. Mediocre Podcast. We welcome you to Generations Podcast with Kelly LaDuff and again, like I always say, my better looking half, Jeff LaDuff, my younger brother. Before I start, make sure you subscribe, Podcast 225. The website is www.podcast225.com. Apple Music, you can go subscribe there. Uh, our Instagram, haveopeneyes.com. Facebook, Open Eye Safety Training. Get all the fun business stuff out the way. So this episode, we have a, a special guest
0: and dad, I'll let you introduce. Well, I think I need to start doing the introductions. No. <laughs> I mean,
1: it would take 5 hours if you doing it.
0: Generations podcast. Listen to that. I have a uh, I have a podcast voice. He's got one of those late night radio So, let me voice. tell you who we have with. I I have a a very close personal friend. A man that uh I've known for a very long time and a man that I've worked with closely. Not only am a Professional life, but in my personal life since I've retired, and that's the DA of East Baton Rouge Parish, Mr. Hillamore. Welcome, Mr. Hillamore.
2: Man, it's gonna be hard for me to say something bad about you now. <laughs> so you got me set up now. I'm I'm stuck. <laughs> Man, glad you to are be stuck. here. Glad to be here with your son. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And, and you.
0: <laughs> and you, by the way. <laughs> well, listen, we we we're glad to have you here, Hiller, because be here. what we want to do is have a conversation with you about past history. Now listen, I don't know, people who've been around us know that we got a line of BS with us. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to tell you, Hill is going to talk about the fact that I wear Gucci belts (laughs) and Louis Vuitton belts. I'm going to get that out of the way. I'm taking it from him. I'm just going to take it from him now. Uh, he called our company's name is Open Eyes, but he calls us Blue Eyes. Blue eyes. Uh,
2: <laughs> and uh by shaving your arms and legs. Shaving my arms <laughs> and legs. Uh, Speedos. I mean, I, you know, I just, there's a few other things, but we may be here for a while. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just start there.
1: Uh, well, let me say this. So one of the things that we really wanted to accomplish with a podcast like this, we, we were talking And we'd be in the car, Hiller, and we'll travel, you know, we'll drive and travel to all these places. And we end up having three-hour conversations about a bunch of nothing. (laughs) And at the bottom of it, I think is one of those things where, as generations, we don't talk enough. You know, so I started asking a lot of questions about, you know, how did my dad get started on a department? What did he do before that? What was life like in, you know, middle school, high school? And I don't think a lot of kids think about the fact that their parents have— these long lives before we show up and have memories to you know see the beginning story. We all see the end story and one of our thing is to have things is to have people like you on here where you can kind of talk about what you've been through, how you've gotten there, uh, some of your successes, your struggles, your key takeaways. And so I think a good place for us to start is what got you into the political arena and to be where you are as DA here in EBR.
2: Uh, that's a good question. I think i uh, go back to math. So um, I came to LSU to get away from my dad who was a sergeant major in the Marines and wanted me to do everything <laughs> the right way because I was born and raised in New Orleans. And uh, actually the neighborhood where I lived uh, was predominantly uh, African-American, and we were uh, one of the few white families that were there. It had traditionally been uh, white, but then it. we eventually moved to another city uh, further outside uh, New Orleans. But So I learned a whole lot. As a young man uh just growing up in the neighborhood and watching my dad interact with other people uh different colors different socioeconomic strata you you name it uh mom and dad uh we were we are half italian and back then my um mother was called a lot of really really bad names kind of like you see with uh different colors you know black african american you name it just things that I see, my mom was called the same. I was, I was also called because I was her son, you know, with Guinea wop or whatever. Uh, so um, it taught me a lot, it opened up my eyes a lot. But I had really no idea ever I wanted to be in criminal justice. But I did know I wanted to go to college because my dad told me I was going to go. Uh, and I went. Um, and I started off in forestry. And being from New Orleans, there's not a lot of forest
1: there. Forestry. Yeah.
2: Because I, I looked at the curriculum, and there wasn't a lot of math. And again, I wasn't good. But then, then there was uh, some basic math, and uh, I didn't do well in the basic math. And um, I think I stayed out a little bit too long. Most nights in German at 7 o'clock in the morning came real quick. And uh, so I got a letter from the dean asking me to go back home. My average was a .07 two consecutive semesters and I went back to New Orleans where my dad at that point uh, owned or ran a food warehouse mm. and he put me in the warehouse working alongside some other really big men who had other uh, tough times tough lives and you know making minimum wage and he put me working with them I learned a whole lot uh, from those people from the ground up and then when I had the chance to go back to LSU I, I, Took a different course. I found criminal justice because they had one math class and it was basic. I figured I could work work my way through that, and uh, that's kind of how I got here. Is that math was uh, not part of the big curriculum, and and once I got into that program, I really liked it. It opened up my eyes a lot, and um, it made it my career.
1: Now, and let me ask this, and I, I don't know. I might be wrong or right. You, Hiller was DA before you became
0: chief no Oh, was that it was after right so I'm, I'm responsible for you know <laughs> kind of uh, figured you say the outcome <laughs> you know he, he wouldn't be the DA he is if uh, I hadn't put him under my wing so how long after you were <laughs> chief and did Hiller become DA I don't know Hiller uh, I started off with uh, Mr. Doug, Doug Morrow right yeah uh, my first maybe year was it wasn't long it wasn't long. It's was huh? about a year. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, first year was with the previous DA, long-time DA but, here, Mr. Doug Mo. Yeah, I remember Doug. But man. I think I was running for three years, it felt right, like. And right.
2: then, then when I got there in a year, then uh, you left to go chase money instead of, you know, what chasing are you talking that
0: about? Guys. Well you <laughs> We were to together open. five years, Hill. Well, I don't think it was that long. It went by real quick. It was five years, man. Uh, I was there almost six years as chief. Wow. And, okay. And... and we had good four and a half, five years. Wow! That we uh, ran around the city together.
2: And you know now, uh, I think uh, Chief Paul. I think Chief Paul is my fifth or sixth oh, yeah. chief of police. Well, in eleven years.
0: If you think about it like this, we had I, some interims. Now, um, I tell people this all the time that I was chief for six years. In the last eight years, we've had five or six chiefs. Right. You know, so since I've left the turnover has, has really picked yeah. up. About two years is yeah, what a, a that's chief last. And you know the structure of how it's
2: set up really yeah. is
0: and
1: not really yeah. good for long term well I was chief. gonna say that. I mean let's let's have the tough conversation.
0: What's what's driving that? Why is the tenure so short I, for it? Chief? I think I was at the beginning of social media. You know, I had social media, I had twenty four hour um, news coverage. And I think those things just coming at you all day. It's different being a sheriff. You're elected, you know. You're an at-will employer. Uh, it's different being a, a command of a state police because you, you know, things get tough in in one region. You can go to another region, but a municipal chief is facing the music every day, all day. Mm. You don't hear about the discipline with a lot of other agencies. If you're in a big city, we had, you know, several news channels here. And a newspaper, so they wanted to know what Baton Rouge was doing. So it's you know dealing with the media and the fallouts and the, all the stuff. It it, it's, it, it becomes it's, consuming.
2: But it's a, it is it's a political, somewhat of a political. It is. But I thought for you and uh, the Carl Dabity that it didn't make sense to stay after a certain period of time once you retired that you right. really, you work right. for nothing. Is right. that correct? Right.
0: Exactly. So, so we came through the department. So we had a date that you know you hit your 30 years or your 32 years whatever you decided that you were going to do and you get on the drop at 25 years you sign a contract if you stay you start receiving penalties so for me it was my punch out date you know it was time to go uh you work for the same amount of money you know and you just come to a realization that you you're going to start losing money so I, i went home and now i'm on a pension
1: well, and I think it depends too, you know, what you go through. I mean, you had Katrina,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Um, how many officers killed I, in the I had of 3 officers killed yeah. under my watch. Two two were killed, one was killed on a motorcycle, one was killed in a car, car crash. But I had 3 officers in 2005 shot on the same day at the same event, and one of those officers Terry died. Yeah. Well, and I think the
1: the timing of that statement, we'd be remiss not to talk about, you know, Tidy for a second.
0: Yeah. Um, we just so had You also a,
2: had Dennis Smith, yep. I think, that was shot and survived. <laughs> survived. While you were yeah, chief Yeah, was three well, officers shot I that day. Saw you at the hospital that yeah, day. Yeah, oh, my okay.
0: God. Yeah, and that that's one of the things, yeah. We just lost another guy here in Baton Rouge. I remember when I came on, you know, we had deaths, but it looked like it's more frequent now. You know, we had a big break between— linda lawrence and then in in 89 we had two officers killed within a week apart you know one was killed in a car crash sergeant warren broussard was was shot and killed over off of wooddale and then you know we had another break and then we had betty smothers and then we had vicky wax and then from vicky though it looks Long like time. it's every couple of yeah. years now Hiller. yes it, unfortunately it's, coming it's more tough
2: business to be in uh it is tough times and I know something that's really close to you guys, mental health and yeah. um, not joking with you about mental health. That you're, I mean, you had, <laughs> you've had your dealings, your family has. Yes. And talking to your son earlier, that's a big thing. And I think when you look at police officers, shootings, officer involved shootings, 40 to 50% involve mental health issues. Exactly. By the person that's shooting at the policeman or killed by the officer. And some of that also is related to domestic violence, but it's a huge driving factor in what happens. And, uh, that's a big deal. Take out the officer-involved shootings, just our regular job that we do day in and day out. We are dealing with mental health and drugs and opioids and you yeah. name it.
0: You know that brings me to something because people, I know when my brother-in-law was murdered. I, I know during the trial things come up, and you know the kid said that I promised him that if he pled guilty, right. that uh, I would let him go. And I remember and I don't think people understand how this works God was truly in charge of that day because I didn't leave my house but i for those of you listening Hill and I met at all times of the day and night on these crime scenes and, and that's one thing that I definitely want to talk with Hill about because that's where our relationship was formed I, I didn't know Hiller well I knew who he was you know I knew he would make a good da but I don't think baton rouge citizens i don't think my family knows that we were the first team of chief and da that met on every crime scene
2: yeah uh, besides that uh, how many phone calls or emails did we do oh, <laughs> per day or God. per week For, yeah on you name it it's, yeah, uh, just
0: everything i mean
2: uh just I, that's what you, make it though Yeah. and you know your brother um i mean sorry your brother-in-law when he was killed uh, people also don't realize that uh, that was really quick police action. Oh, yeah That was responding and they were responding to a shot spotter which we all have talked about a lot And right. that shot spotter went off and the police were dispatched quickly and were able to right, find right. the group of people And then eventually went to a home got a gun and then I think a motel or hotel where they were and then we were able to uh, uh, you know Bring justice there. Well, you know,
1: I, it, let me say this because I don't I don't even know if Hiller knows this I, We've never talked about it, but so that technology piece is one of the reasons why I was so adamant about us doing technology right. as a company. So when we went through the murder trial, my grandmother was adamant about not going after the death penalty because right. uh, if you remember, the young man killed another woman as well. Yes. And um, it must have been—I think it was a seven-day trial or something. And I remember sitting there, and you know, after a couple of days, you know, people don't realize there's truly a right and a left side of the courtroom, <laughs> right? When you're in these type of situations. And after a couple of days, I mean, we see this, the shooter's family, every day. You're there all day. We, you know, we ate lunch by the elevators together, and you start talking after a while. Because at some point, you realize that that kid's mother and his aunt and his sister had nothing to do with his right. actions. Yeah. And mental illness was also a key factor for them. And I remember my grandmother and his mother having a conversation about that. And my grandmother was like, you know, jason my uncle he was you know she was like he was paranoid schizophrenic severely mentally ill and so was his older brother and then the mom started talking about how her kid the shooter had i mean a plethora of mental illness and stuff he dealt with and you know she couldn't get him in certain facilities she had trouble in school she tried to get him help couldn't do this couldn't do that and so anyway we go through the whole process and that's what really gave me the idea to say i'm gonna use The training that my dad did during Derek todd lee and some of that other stuff you know that he learned over the years i said we're going to offer that to people so that they never sit in our position and then when i started talking to some people in the department and really understanding what happened in his case and you see how shot spotter and the fact that a technology that my dad fought for the funds to install you know the shots go off in that area the computers pop up in the units the guys go around And because of that quick response they see a lady standing outside the lady says hey I don't know what happened I heard the shots but I saw a car this description and that's what kind of led to it being solved so for us that's why I've always been passionate about technology and I love what Chief Paul and you are doing with real-time crime center and shot spotter and all the things that y'all are fighting for because it will it'll give families that closure for sure
2: yeah because we need to help right now you know relying on witness statements are very difficult i couldn't imagine uh because of trust or lack of trust or people uh, our witnesses are oftentimes our defendants as well and man you see there's so many shots that are fired throughout the year and people's houses are shot up that cooperate and normally the killer and the victim they know each other but no one wants to talk and when we go to trial we have to call a witness to the right. stand and when you are not able to call a witness then you have to rely on data Data doesn't tell you the emotional part that you all feel, but so it is real difficult. We have to work hard to restore trust with the police. They have to be able to people have to trust them, be able to cooperate. Know we're going to solve it, and when you have a solve rate that's 50, I was been getting a little better, but when it's only at 50 percent, so you really get away with murder, and if you only arrest 50 percent of the, let's say 100 murders, when it comes to me, you only make an arrest on probable cause. When it comes to me, it goes to beyond a reasonable doubt, which is taking the football from the kickoff and running it all the way down, almost to the other goal line and scoring a touchdown. Right. That's what the jurors are told. And you know it's a 12-0 verdict now. So oftentimes the grand jury, no true bills, they pre uh they come back with manslaughter or, or juries do that. So you know, you know, in America, you can literally get away with murder and it's because we really don't have a lot of cooperation and we need that plus the technology.
1: Well, and, and I'll ask you this. That so, it's been highly publicized lately about the uh, the issues that BRPD are having for recruiting, and it's not just BRPD. I'm not poking the finger at them. It's national. Do you think technology and some of the things that they're trying to do is that a great supplement to where we are with police? Well, you
0: you have to have force multipliers. I don't care if you're fully staffed. The way call volume drives and the call uh, initiating programs that we use, how we dispatch you have to have force multipliers so fighting crime is is truly a combination art by that i mean you have to have okay we're off of a busy street right here people complain about the traffic but that's force multipliers there's a lot of good folks riding up and down that street if they see something they're going to call law enforcement because we can go out there and watch as many patrol officers that move around it may be Two hours before we see an officer hit this street because they got to handle the calls, they got to write the reports, they got to do all of that. So, force false, false multipliers help you on a daily basis. What's going to help recruiting is just the old grassroots, getting the message out, highlighting what this job is about, and finding those people that have an interest in service. I mean, it still comes down to that. You can pay all the money you want, you can hire college graduates with master's degrees or PhDs, if they don't have that service blood in them they're not going to make it here so it's just finding the right but, people
2: and how many uh, times have you gone to a school because i've seen you ask children in the school uh how many of you want to be a policeman right right There's not a hand we really have to start earlier on exactly um with regard to uh you know the city police are down 70 and they have academies that are coming up but they're not going to really be able to keep up with that number so when you're a policeman and you only pay $35,000 a year, you know, you have to work overtime uh, and you expect to do everything perfectly in your job. And just think if you're a homicide detective, working the hours that they have to work, listening to prison phone calls, uh, answering phone calls, look, looking at data, having to work extra duty, going to your son's game, coming to meet the DA umpteen times on every case. I don't know how those guys do it and there's a small number of them. And when you're 70, down 70 people down that's a big number and talking about force multipliers you know we want to be able to put policemen in the right place at the right time and that's why we're trying to move to data right and look at where's the hot spot what night day of the week hour street corner can you put an officer on that is going to make an impact because right now you know basically you can shoot and get away with shooting you get away with murder you shoot and a policeman's not Close to you because there's not as many on the street as there could be right. i guarantee you that if we're fully staffed and i think we're going to get there i think people want to do this job but we have to pay them right. to do this job uh, it's just like anything else what's um, the
1: answer to the pay right that's been going it's, on for years
2: That's yeah, uh, you know i think you have to really look at how what, what is important to baton rouge uh, that's what the bottom line is what is important to baton rouge and find a way to pay it And you may have to cut things and it's going to always hurt to cut someone but uh, we we need to find a way to pay these officers because they're they're leaving us to go to Ascension, Denham Springs, oh, man. State Police Academies, uh, and uh, I mean it's the, the where the police department uh, comes from. It's it's the it's the men and women in uniform patrol. That's the backbone of the police department. Without that's a
0: doubt, that's it. That's the hub. You got to have those guys. Got to have them. Well, let me ask y'all this. So. You alluded to it
1: earlier about how y'all went to every every crime scene. I want to hear from both of y'all. What did because you don't see that all the time, and I'm not just talking about BRPD. I mean across the the nation, you don't always hear about a chiefs. Chiefs are not at every single crime scene, and you don't hear about DAs yeah. being at every single homicide scene. What was that? What was the driving force for that?
2: For before you, you know, for your answers, I'd like him to go first, but I think we what we have here in Baton Rouge and chief uh, chief your your dad and I have talked about this for a long time and having traveled around both of us traveled around big cities mid-sized cities like Baton Rouge you never ever see or rarely see a chief that gets along with the sheriff that gets along with the DA that gets along with the United States Attorney they are always at odds with each other uh cutthroat uh why didn't you win that case because I gave you a good case well you gave me a bad report you know, it's about let's pick it up and let's move on, and it's all about public safety. That's Baton Rouge has a unique situation mm-hmm. that we've never had before, and I do, I do believe it's people involved, obviously. And, but it's been the same with every chief, and so we we really enjoy that.
0: Yeah, I, you know, for me, I remember when uh, I saw Hiller, he had just gotten elected, and uh, we we were having a conversation, and we we talked about it, and I told him I said, I go to every crime scene are you. I remember we we were talking about that and Hiller said that's my plan. Because for me people thought I was going to crime scenes because when I retired I was going to run for a a political office. A lot of people really thought that that's why I was doing that. you know, to, To get my face and name had no interest in running for nothing. I always thought that if I showed up and dealt with the family that my detectives were free to do the investigation. I was the bumper zone between my guys and the family. Family want answers, man. You know, and I didn't I didn't know how much that meant to people until September 4th, oh, 2010, when the DA came to my house, when the police, Chief of Detective Bart, when y'all came to my house that day, it made everything so real. Because unlike what the guy said that I I, I offered him a deal uh, out at the crime scene, I never left my house that day. When I found out uh, divine intervention occurred and I, I couldn't leave, I was talking to my detectives on the phone. I was back and forth with Bart and he's telling me what stage they're in and that they got the guys. And, and then some hours in, Bart actually called me and said, hey man, you on the way yet? And I said, no. He said, but look, I got a question. I think this guy's related to you. Well, Hiller, you know my family. I mean, mm. I thought he was talking about the shooter when, when, right. he, when he said the guy related yes. to you. I said, Hell, the shooter? He said, No. He said, uh, The victim. And I said, What's the victim's name? And when he said, Christopher Jason Domain, I mean, I, yeah. I had to start giving death notifications right. in, to my wife. And, and then a few minutes later, Y'all came and you did for me what, you, what we had done for a lot of other people. Yeah,
2: so um, I think it's important uh, to go for me as a DA, just to be able to see the crime scene myself and mm-hmm. my ADA so they can describe it to a jury. Because otherwise you see it black and white on a sheet of paper or a picture. It doesn't, doesn't do it right. But um, so not only do you have to go there and should you go there for the victim's family, but even you know, the defendant's family. Look, we're here to find out what's right. But more importantly, that neighbor, the neighbors that are there, and then the police officers. The police officers, they go from call to call. If you listen to radio, they do not stop. And they, they want to know that you're interested in what they do in their case. And I'm talking about uniform people. Right. We get to talk to detectives all the time. But this is about uniformed guys that are there, patrol the area. You get to see them, meet them, get to know them. That's extremely important to them. And then news media covers these. And the public has to know that you're going to every one of these because we can't just pick and choose. I'm going to only go to the one in the country club and not the one in no, 780502 because right. you get in trouble that way. You, you have to go to them all. They have to all mean the same thing regardless of where they are. And I'm going to tell you, and uh, your dad will tell you, when, these, when you go out there, and if we ever talk a little more about our canvases with, that we go with Clay Young, these people fly out of their house to come say hello to you and they know you you don't know them because they see you on television and they fly out the house to tell you how much they appreciate you coming and they just want to be left alone in peace no shots fired Uh, it's a really rewarding experience at a really difficult time and uh you know your dad and i've seen some people in really bad shape really distressed situations with children and families and you know if you weren't there for them uh, i'm not sure uh, i wouldn't feel right
1: and I'm going to tell you, I think there's a large portion of Baton Rouge. I sit on some boards with some people, and I tell them all the time, they have no idea what certain parts of this city even look like. Oh, you know, if you're blessed enough to live in a certain side of the parish, I mean, if you travel the interstate and the furthest you go is between College Drive and Holland Road, you really don't know how some people truly live in this community. Uh, one of the things I want to piggyback on that is um, – you know, y'all talked about going to, to every scene. Of the ones that, especially you, Hill, are still being on the job, that you can talk about, the ones that
0: y'all shared, what's, what's one of y'all's vivid memories? What's one of the worst? Every time yeah. we talk, yeah. we go to the same one first. Um, a mother was killed sometime in the early morning hours. freezing cold early yeah, in the morning. And her body was left on her steps. And her children discovered that body. walking Two children, out. right? Two children, yeah, boy and a girl. Discovered that body walking out their house to go to school the next morning.
2: Yep, that was a tough one, man. And uh, my recollection was, I think uh, Kip Holden was the mayor then. Kip was the mayor, and I believe that you got together with uh, myself, Kip, and then some others, and said they had no money to bury the right. lady. If you recall, right. you you raised money along with uh, us and the others. They right. were able to to bear that mom and then i think you you and your wife i believe if so i'm not mistaken bought clothes and went back after for those children yeah uh i like to know what they're doing now how they you know
0: you know and that's the thing man baton rouge doesn't know how many houses we've been in yeah they see us at the crime scene that's just part of the hill yeah we we sat down with mamas and grandmothers. We've been in hospital rooms. I remember the, the yeah. child that was shot, the young lady that was shot, and we sat there for hours. Uh, don't count the number of police that was shot, yeah. but but people think that we just run to the hospital when they're hurt. It's not true. No. We 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 have been there with a lot of inner a lot of our citizens when they were going through that moment. Yeah. You know, and uh, just to. To tell him that you believe in him.
2: And I think the other one uh, that really recall you and I were really out there two or three days was Beauregard Town. Beauregard Town. Uh, the lady who was uh, shot in oh, multiple God. times, and then her daughter, who I think was eight or nine at the time. Yeah, uh, Ariane. Person stood over Ariana. on top of her and shot her four to five times in the chest, and she had to drag herself out of the back bedroom, <sighs> calling on a phone, and police couldn't find her address. She had to drag her way out to the he, porch to he flash. passed her. Correct. remember that and then got out on the porch and officer came back and found her and so i remember being i mean that was a crime scene that really worked for oh, three, days three days three days you remember that we met with the family and it was a uh, little girl went to the little girl school i believe oh, yeah. following that it was a tough deal yeah,
0: just yeah and, and to see her now i, I tell you too yeah. the church shooting yes pastor claudia yeah. brown and I, i've seen those little boys really they're still, I mean, how did woman yeah, she she raised those boys, and they fine young men. Uh, she 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 survived. God left her here for a reason. It's amazing. Three good looking big old rascals, man, <laughs> uh, good athletes, good students, uh, you know, it, it's amazing. I, I wish Baton Rouge could see what civil servants do in this community
2: yeah we have so many good people that work real hard and all of the different agencies and departments and working weekends nights uh money out of their pocket uh to do all the right things and um but only the generally only the negative ones although the you know look the media we've had a good relationship with the media they're gonna call us out when we right and as they should and and they have done really good stories on different events and different things they They follow with us but i think we need to do a better job of encouraging me to come along with us on the things that they can right uh and letting them see what normally we wouldn't Uh,
0: you know i I just go back and i think about what baton rouge everybody keeps saying oh i remember when baton rouge was this but listen we we have our problems in baton rouge but we have good people we i have met some of the most incredible people i have a saying. When people ask me how I'm doing, I say I put 10 toes on the ground this morning. That's right. You know where I got that from? Doing Hurricane Katrina. I, I, was, I left the EOC, and, and I got in my car, and I just went ride by myself, right? And there was an old man in North Baton Rouge sitting on a bucket in his front yard. It was hot. Man, it was hot. And uh, I stopped in front of his house, and I got out of my car, and I walked over to the fence. And said, how you doing today? He said, "I'm hanging in there." I say, "Anybody sitting on that other bucket?" He said, "No." Well, come on, son, sit down. So I went and sit under the the tree with him on the bucket. I say, "So, how you doing today?" He said, "Boy, I put ten toes on the ground this <laughs> morning. That's a good day." So it's I, I think about him. You know, you, you think about all these people that you've met yeah. and, and interacted with in, in good, and we have fun. You know, that's that's good times. Yep,
2: I remember you sat in a. Next to another person, I think you took his Bud Light, and uh, I, was, I, I, I did. Uh, uh, that's my recollection of it, anyway. <laughs> uh, but but uh, just, I mean, you know, the the canvases that that we've done in yeah, the houses awesome. we've been oh, in oh the canvases, and when it's hot, it's brutally hot in the uh, homes, <clears throat> and um, no air conditioning, no moving air. Sometimes the bathroom is a hole in the ground all those infant deaths that we've been to where it's so freezing cold and, I mean, it's so cold inside the house and they have some really bad heaters that are hooked up, uh, you know, seeing really difficult things and they're probably paying four to six hundred dollars oh, a month for yeah. a hellhole. Right. Um, but to me, what moves me the most is, and I've, I know you've seen it all with uh, Clay and uh, all the others, that uh, when we do the canvases, the uh, as down as these people are and they're not making money, they have issues, uh, just their strength and how they they're happy to they want you there they want you to come back and well those people if they don't lift you up you know so we really need other people to come walk with us and see what exactly. we see and see how good those people are that you say that's the other people and you know we always say 05 and 02 that's not fair to that's not fair but that is how we look at things data wise but we're talking about real people in 05 and02 and, 02, mm-hmm. and uh, these are some of the best people I've ever met uh in these in these areas and we have to do our best to help them more
1: one of my best stories uh from the canvases that that clay young does and truce and everyone who comes out all the pastors and uh tyra wicker and everybody one of the things i think about we were walking and one of the things that me and my dad like to do is hand out you know 10 20 bills for good grades and so this was right around the time that report cards came out and uh we're just knocking on doors and we're talking to the kids and uh A little girl comes to the door and we start talking to her and uh, we you know i said let me see your report card blah 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 and she looked at me she said do y'all have any water like she just cut me off just like that she said do y'all have any water i said bottle water she said yeah y'all have any bottle water and it was her and her two sisters and you can look at them she must have been 12 13 the other one must have been nine and then probably about six or seven and they all had like these I mean, bad mosquito bites all over their arms, like every inch of their body, all under their, che- their cheeks and stuff. And uh, I said, well, come on, let's go get some water. So your staff was out there, hella like they always are, and I went and got some water. And uh, I was talking to the little girl. I said, well, what's going on? I said, you must not have a good report card. She said, oh, no, I'll show it to you. I've got all A's. She said, but our water has been cut off for the past six mm. days. Mm. She said, the only time we drink water is at school. Mm. And so... You know, you can tell she was kind of, you know, self-conscious about her face. So I touched her little cheek and I said, what's going on with all these mosquito bites? She said, oh, the lights has been off, too. So we're sleeping with the windows open and the mosquitoes bite. So, yeah. So <clears throat> we took her to the store. Uh, I ran to the store. We got a whole bunch of water and stuff and bought it back. But just the resilience. I and mean, she showed me the report card. Truly all A's. I don't all think A's. the child had made a B yeah. the entire school year. And all she wanted was water. For oh, her literally. little sisters.
0: Now, I remember one canvas that we did. Oh,
1: here we go. This is not going to be true. And,
0: uh,
2: he would climb a tree and tell a lie and stand on the ground <laughs> and tell the truth. That's that's.
0: They had a yard. <laughs> Boy, they had <laughs> grass in that <their> yard. <laughs> uh, when I tell you, the grass must have been three feet high.
2: Well, you had to see it from the street because you had Louis Vuitton on it. I know well, you well, weren't going to get there. I'm dirty. just did, saying. I'm like, just tell saying. some of the truth now. Uh, I know what story you about
0: so to tell. So, I, I said... I said, man, that, that yard is bad. And Hiller said, we're we gonna cut it. And I remember him asking. And he asked the wrong person because he asked me yeah, if up. there was a lawnmower crew out there, and, and I lied and said, oh yeah. I said we'll get them. So he grabs a commercial weed eater. This is a big old yard, corner lot. I'll never forget it.
2: I go back there, and cut it again. <laughs>
0: that man was out there I'm still with that waiting. weed eater.
2: I'm still waiting for DVW to You're show still up.
0: You that <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Y'all laughing your, laughing your tails off. I'm turning around. I couldn't hear nothing. I just saw the reflection off that Louis Vuitton uh, belt buckle. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. <laughs> but oh, I got him. I said, oh yeah, man. I will go get him.
2: That <laughs> yeah, wasn't it. He? Hey, I left him out there. I think eat. you brought me water though. I did. Yeah. And and,
0: and at the end, I, I did. I took the little, weed eater from you for a little
2: bit. <laughs> yeah. So I could restring
1: it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Wow,
1: uh, but no, I, I do. I think uh, let's let's talk a quick second about Truce and, and what y'all do for the kids. I, I think that's important. So, in a couple words, Hill, how, how do you describe Truce and, and what y'all trying to accomplish with that?
2: I start describe with Hila Burgess, uh, who's the director who is has the biggest heart. She's a sister, agree. DA, biggest heart. Uh, of anyone and she truly wants to reach out to these kids who are potential trigger pullers or those are gonna get hurt by the trigger puller and she wants to change their life and these kids who are struggling uh, to make it because of all kind of reasons and issues and she wants to save every one of these kids and that's truth tries to reach tries to identify first trigger pullers and victims of crime or violent crime and get them in a different direction than they've been and that's what it's all about
0: what's your take on it i think along with that that's just what it is um you know but to see we are achieving real tangible results kids are coming into the program they're putting the gun down we got a kid starting college we got kids getting driver's licenses you know getting jobs getting their geds you know getting back into society that they they have made that decision. And I credit Aisha and her team for what they do. Uh, All our sponsors in this community who's come up with funding and and, and the folks that help employ these kids, we applaud you, you are truly making a difference in what the future of Baton Rouge looks like. Uh, I went to Tara High School last week with Aisha, and uh, there's a group of kids that she's working with over there, and to see them come in and and talking to her about how their grades look, and and one kid's like, no, Miss, look, I'm telling you, my stuff is straight, you know, I'm getting there, I'm rolling, you know, and and when I went there, I asked them what they wanted to be, I asked the question, what do you want to do, and you know what they want to be, welders, there were three or four guys in that class that said, I want to be a welder. And then we started talking about the possibilities of welders and, you know, what are they doing and where they're working. And then if you become uh, a high rise, you know, like in these plants, that if you become a, a welder that, that, that welds at high levels, more money, underwater welders. And they were like, oh, my God, man. you know, so it's amazing that they don't all want to be basketball players, football players and, and you know, entertainers. They, want to do, they really want to build and create, and, and, and I was impressed when they said that they wanted to be And I welded. think
2: that Jim Bernhardt went there along with his son and uh-huh. some others. I think Marlon Moore has been there and talks to them. Uh, and, you know, people, industries like Turner, if you start at 21 to 25 years old and you just do some of their plans, you could be a millionaire by 50. By 50. And if you're a welder, you may get there a little bit quicker. A little bit quicker. So that's a lot of money, but it does require being on time Oh yeah. and drug-free. And you're talking about these kids and truce. Uh, you know how hard it is to oversee these young men. Right. And so, how many of them can you really get to? Right. Because you have to be with them Cast all the time. Cast. And so, it takes a lot of money, it takes a lot of bodies. But we're and we're missing bodies and money to take care of people. Um, right. You know, in our industry, we flip people's cases like they're hamburgers. We never really get time to slow down and say. Hey, defendant, why did you break in that house? Tell me what's there's something going right. on wrong. What's really right. going on. So we flip hamburgers and move them on and push them down and come back to court in three months. Tell me how you're doing. But who takes care of them in the interim in the three months? There's really not a lot set up out there to really gear to make sure they don't come back. And it really starts at home with your parents, as you know. And, uh, you know, as fortunately I know, is it does take that, although there are a lot of folks that don't have two parents or even one that are extremely successful, but having that family and base is really important. And so that's we surely encourage parents, family, and community.
1: Well, I know one of the things that I'm passionate about is is employment, right? So one of the boards I sit on through the mayor's office would employ BR. I believe that, and for me, and I wanna hear Hiller's answer to this, but we all have our opinions about what drives crime in Baton Rouge, and, and what's one of the, the keys that could possibly unlock some of the ebbs and flows <laughs> that we see in crime. I think for me uh, you know I grew up in a, in, a, in a neighborhood that I mean we had a little bitty house didn't have a lot my dad was a cop so if they make 35 now imagine what they were making back then hmm. and you know I had friends I was the only kid in the neighborhood with a dad the only one in the neighborhood that I remember with a dad and you know I watched my dad play dad with every other child in the neighborhood. And you know, to this day, when he sees them, they hug him, they kiss him, they call him pops, and that's that's what they know. I watched him literally a mom would come beat on the door and say, you need to go talk to Cody or this one or that one. And he would literally take his belt and go down the street and whip their ass. And when I saw him at the park. Like he
2: spanks the Saints when they come over. In the- yeah, yeah exactly. I do. Like he beats them up when they jump in his seats at the Saints <laughs> game.
1: Or like he used to beat my ass. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, which we need to talk about that. I don't know if statute of limitations. It's not prescribed. Before. We good. We, we good okay. to go. I won't press the charges. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, it, I just think it's important. So my question for you, we all have opinions, but you have Definitely. a front row seat to it. What yeah. do you think is the biggest driver for crime so, in Baton Rouge? lack
2: of education
1: and lack of employment
2: opportunities. So people will take the always going to take the easy way out. And there's a lot of people that sell drugs, deal drugs, it is not a lucrative business to be in. Uh, there's a lot of high expenses when you get arrested, bonds, you maybe get shot, killed, whatever. They're not living a luxurious life at all. Uh, but they go back to what they know, and it's easy because they are not educated, cannot get a job. Uh, so, I mean, a lot. look, a lot of people just have to get off their butt and, and get it done. Right. But they also have to have a guide map to, to let them know how you can do it and get pushed in the right direction because all of us, I'd probably be doing something else if it wasn't for getting a spanking or some other person entering your life, getting real lucky and making you move in the right direction. So we really need to have more role models for these young youngsters you know i think uh women play a big role in what we do if they just Mm. turn the other way and you you Mm. can get away with doing all that then you do uh just think about your mom uh as strict as she is just Mm -hmm. think, it it makes a big difference in how men act and react it does how the women are portrayed
0: yep hello what's some of the good times you've had yeah. We've had some good times.
2: Yeah, just uh, messing around with Clay Clay Young. Just uh,
0: yeah. Talking about Clay? Yeah, talking about Clay. I had Clay. Him riding in the Corvette today. He in trouble, buddy. He in well, trouble.
2: Hey, his hair is not going to get all out of place. I know yeah, that. No, I
0: don't you know. think his hair ever get out of place. Uh,
2: but his tie might. I mean, you know, he's got – y'all going to just look at each other's Gucci belt and, you know, and all that stuff. It's, that's going to be man, a fun. Man, I
0: don't wear Gucci. I wear Louis Vuitton. Oh, Louis Vuitton. Oh, yeah, well –
2: no, I just, uh, I mean, I, I love getting up every morning and going to work. I have some really good people working with the officers, solving crimes, helping people, being able to dis- dismiss cases and help others. You know, some you can't, some people you can, but uh, it's one of the best jobs that you can have, man. It's because you get to make a difference
0: here. Well, I want to personally thank you. You were there when my guys got shot in 2005, you were there with us when Chris was killed. Yeah. You were there with us when Mark's been killed. You were there in 2016. You were there the other day when we found out about Tidy. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Baton Rouge appreciates uh or can appreciate how many hours that you give up with your family to do what it is you do. It looks easy because the TV shining on you. Yeah. People think that's a when when you're on TV, you've made it. Yeah. Uh, Man, that's a lot of sleepless nights that I know you've had. And and I want to tell you, I appreciate you as my DA, and I appreciate you as my friend.
2: That's my honor. It's likewise with you. Uh, We had such a great relationship, and continuing on is really amazing that we're able to do that and really continue to make a difference. That's what it's all about. And I know you would encourage people that are listening to try to make a difference. Come join us on walks. Come help us with truce. Do something. Make a difference.
0: I don't care what city they're listening in get involved in your city absolutely but if you're here in baton rouge listen we didn't walk a lot during the winter i've gotten old and tender so uh but those spring days are coming we're going to have it we're going to publicize it come and meet good people yeah i mean i can can think about that guy was sitting in his yard uh when we walked uh in, in scotlandville and i was sitting in his yard and uh He just said, "Man, you're a minute too late." I said, "What you talking about? We just finished the crawfish." Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) Was that right before the Dallas game? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, if you got
2: an extra lawnmower, bring it. So I have to to use my weed (laughs) here. Help help (laughs) out. I'm
0: gonna try and stick him in somebody's yard again. I'm telling you, you I got a picture
1: (laughs) of that. I think
0: (laughs) I
2: think that was a felony, swear what you did to me (laughs) because. We're researching it right <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: uh, now. Man, it. look, you, you were getting it, though. <laughs> you cut some grass with that boy. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, we're going to wrap it up. But just, you know, the one thing I take from it and and, and having a, a, a close view of what Hiller does is he truly doesn't see a us in them. And I think the more that Baton Rouge stops seeing this city as an us and a them, we'll be better off. Uh, it doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in. You know, they're all our babies, and the sooner we can catch them and show them something positive, the better off we'll all be. So we appreciate you, man. Keep doing what you're doing, and when you decide to stop being D.A., come work for Blue Eyes. (laughs) Blue Eyes. (laughs) Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, We may
2: have
0: to change the name of that (laughs) company. Glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, you Appreciate you, Helen.
1: Thanks for listening to the Generations Podcast. Learn more about Open Eyes safety training and consulting at haveopeneyes.com.